one year I kind of got an idea, you know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? You would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money in over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. That's me preferable. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Herb Lennon Game Magazine. Instruction from Herb Lennon. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because we're working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got variables to change the characters, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, yeah. we better. Back in the first shed. This is Trapping Today with Jeremiah Wood. Great to have you here as always. We are brought to you by Cox Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-C-E-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cotsports have everything you need to get started on the trap line or to resupply for the season. Check them out. On X Maps, use your phone as a GPS on the trap line, get landowner information, mark your waypoints, run tracks, use the latest aerial imagery, and all kinds of different tools to uh, help you become a more effective hunter or trapper. And boil the tannery. What are you going to do with your fur this year? The fur market's in the tank. Uh, probably a good option is going to be to try to get that fur preserved for the long term so it doesn't spoil and rot, uh, so you don't get it clogging up your freezer. Get it tanned. Once your fur is tanned, you can hang it on the wall. You can make hats, mitts, whatever else you want to do. You can send it to guys like my friend Josh in Alaska, uh, Fisher Furs, who's going to, going to sew up some beautiful uh, mitts with your beaver or... Uh, make you a martin hat or fisher hat or whatever um, you got to get that fur preserved for the long term moyle.net m-o-y-l-e.net moyle mink is the tannery of choice of the national trappers association and of trapping today so check them out great company in idaho and they do an incredible job you can use their online customer portal to get the jump on the line and get your fur tanned a little bit quicker than everybody else uh, moyle.net, M-O-Y-L-E, and their email address is info, I-N-F-O, at moyle.net. Let them know I sent you. All right, guys, tonight's episode, just a recap of the Martin trap line so far. So I am uh, been working pretty hard on the trap line, and as expected, as anticipated, it's been slow. But it's kind of, it's slower than I guess even I had anticipated it. It is super slow. It's very, very, very challenging. There's uh, so much out there. There's so many prey animals in the woods. The woods are alive with animals and with food. And it just seems to be very difficult to get a Martin to have any interest in going near our boxes or bait. So it's pretty obvious they're coming into the lure. I've seen Martin and Fisher tracks coming into my boxes. 
but they get close to where they could smell the bait and I think they're just kind of they, they just kind of veer off and go do their thing and they're just not that interested so um, what's it going to take um, well I'm not going to give up I'm going to keep going keep running the sets and I think as we get more snow and cold weather things typically do pick up uh, later on in the season in these odd years so I think it'll be all right but uh, if you're if you haven't already checked out the YouTube channel trapping today then you've got to go and see my first my newest video my latest video which is the setup of the Martin line and the first run of the line where I show uh, catching a Martin and I show all the bunch of different sets I make the habitat I look for just kind of take you along uh, for the ride just getting set up and getting started since that time I've checked the line twice and each time I've not only checked the line but I've also uh, set more sets and tried to expand things and and increase my odds of catching fur I am up to four Martin and this is more effort than it took last year to catch 25 so last year I was running I think 45 45 50 sets maybe for 14 days and I got 25 Martin this year uh, I've been trapping for probably about 14 days now and I'm running between uh, I started out with 47 now I'm up to about 75 uh, 74 I think 74 sets and I have four Martin so it's just the name of the game this years like this so but it, but check that YouTube video out and also I aired that here a couple of nights ago and when I did that I immediately did a YouTube live stream afterwards because there were a bunch of people on the the live chat for the instant premiere at, that I where I did that video I like the instant premiere because it allows me to put the video up and then to live chat with you guys while the video is running I can explain questions I can uh, interact with people it's just a great chance to check in with the YouTube audience so I, I did that but the problem with that is is it ends pretty abruptly as I'll mention here later on in this episode and so I decided to do a live stream immediately after the video was over and a bunch of guys that were on the video premiere jumped over to the live stream and had a bunch of questions and stuff so we did a, a pretty good interaction session there for about Oh, 45 minutes to an hour it was it was excellent had a lot of fun and I know uh, I, I'm glad that people are, are interested enough to take part in that and I enjoyed it I hope you guys did as well and if you haven't please check out the trapping today YouTube channel subscribe and uh, hit your notification button so you get notified so anyway guys uh, we're gonna get into it this episode is gonna be uh, the uh, live stream that was recapping that Martin video I talk about Martin habitat what I'm looking for thoughts on Martin trapping here in northern Maine as well as other places I talk about uh, trigger configurations Connie pans which had questions on and a number of different a number of other topics so hope you enjoy it let's get into it so uh, if you guys have are just tuning in and you haven't just watched the video I did a instant premiere video of the first uh, trap line run on my Martin line and uh, and setting up the Martin line. Uh, I'll have several more of those here this season. 
this one was kind of just early on setting up and everything so nothing really that special but I hope some people found it interesting maybe useful maybe learned something or were entertained a little bit we had a nice chat going on the chat session but what uh, I've noticed I've just started doing these instant premiere things here uh, I, I did them last year was the first one I did uh, when I, I started with I did one on beaver and I did I did a couple of Martin and I really like it because people get to comment in the chat and talk uh, talk about what's going on in the video live and I can answer questions or make comments on you know just commentary on what I I think is going on maybe I forgot to mention something in the video and I can put it in the chat box and stuff it's pretty cool but the thing that I noticed with it was that when it ends it ends it's done it shuts off and like you could be in the middle of a chat conversation with somebody and then boom they're gone so that was kind of a pain um, and I thought okay this time I'm gonna go straight live stream and I'm recording this on in audacity too just in case it, there's something useful I say I might I might turn it into a podcast episode um, just talking about uh, a little recap of the Martin line. I got a bunch of other topics I want to talk about, but we'll see what you guys have for questions. There were several questions in the uh, during the video premiere, and I actually was I meant to go grab a trap with a Connie pan on it to talk to you guys about that. I may have to do that in a, in a minute, but um, there were there were a few different questions on different topics, so. Uh, for those of you, looks like people are, are still coming in. Um, if you guys have, why don't you guys go ahead in the chat and uh, start start typing some of that stuff in if you have a question that you'd like me to answer or something you want to talk about or comment or whatever. And uh, I don't I don't see anything yet, so I'm just going to keep running my mouth until I start seeing stuff in the chat. Um, hopefully Josh, my friend Josh Fisher from Alaska gets on here. I been giving him a hard time because he's was watching the, the premiere, but he didn't, couldn't figure out how to, how to see the chat. And I was giving him a hard time in the chat. Apparently you have to have the app and he was on his phone with the, um, not with the app, just on, on the browser, I guess. So, um, yeah, he made it. I think he made it for the last 30 seconds of the video. Alright, I'm going to go grab a trap. You guys hang tight. Throw something in the chat box if you have a question. And uh, then we'll come back and I'll just run my mouth for a while. Hey Josh, type something in the chat. Make sure. Figure out if it's working or not. Oh my god, look at that. Alright. <laughs> uh, I'm worse than Josh, I think. I couldn't even figure out that... Uh, Wow, that is unbelievable. I, Josh, I, I actually, today's my birthday. I actually turned 38 today, and I'm really feeling old. <laughs> oh, my God. I was on here for a couple of minutes, and I, I couldn't figure out. I, I was like, nobody's on the live chat. I thought everybody, a bunch of people were coming over. And uh, apparently I had something clicked uh, on the live chat. I, was, uh, I, I had top chat instead of live chat clicked on. So I just clicked over to live chat, and... Um, I guess I cannot give Josh a hard time anymore. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start right at the beginning here. Um, uh, well, maybe I won't because um, Mountain Mariner five, says 5x5. Five five. Was that your – was that – oh, you, was that, that, is that a question? Um, 
Anthony, tell Josh to show up. Hey, Josh is here. Pat Connolly's here. Jeez. All right. Cool. Um, Scott. Hey, Scott. What's up? Uh, 70. Coyote aren't hitting like you'd hoped. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been a really slow. Um, it's been it's been really slow. Hopefully, uh, maybe um, the oh, what's his name? Keynet GPS. I, I, he goes by a bunch of different names. Maybe he'll show up here and, and comment for us and, and verify the slow Martin and Fisher trapping. Uh, Pharaoh, roughly how apart? Okay, how? that's a great question for a mountain. Um, how far apart are you spacing sets and what specific land features are you looking for? Okay, so I, I think I discussed this um, during the, that video. At least I tried to. I tried to. Um, the, the biggest land feature that I'm looking for is is uh, uh, the composition of the timber uh, that that I'm driving through and so I'm looking I'm looking for cover because primarily like when you get we have certain areas that are better Martin habitat than others and it's different I think everywhere that Martin live it you have uh, different variables that impact populations and in this area, there are all the things that are coming to play, like, uh, for instance, the amount of cover that's available, the amount of denning habitat, uh, the presence of fissures, the depth of the snow, the presence or absence of snow crust. But uh, what all of those variables are at play, but the, the one variable that humans have a biggest impact on and affects Martin, as far as I can tell, in my opinion, the most is land use practices and primarily that's timber harvesting here uh, because you can go into areas that are just prime martin habitat but if they've been cut too hard the martin aren't there um, you can get the elevation right you can you know you can get everything else right but but the the timber the presence of quality timber good overhead cover uh, canopy cover martin need protection from predators uh, they also need complexity on the forest floor they need good denning habitat they need uh, the complexity that supports a large population of voles but they also what i think is i think and josh and i have talked about this on the podcast quite a bit in, in detail he interviewed me and we talked about martin my thoughts on martin my opinions and uh, i think that another important factor here is the the presence of structure that allows Martin to get away from Fisher. And so a lot of nooks and crannies and hollow logs and holes and denning spots where, where Martin can sneak into, because uh, as far as, as I can tell, and as far as the, all of the research that's been done with radio collaring Martin and Fisher, uh, it, it appears that uh, where Martin and Fisher overlap, Fisher pretty much try to kill Martin on site. Uh, and they're pretty effective at it. So I think that plays a factor as well. The other big thing uh, I've noticed, and I haven't really paid attention to this until a young trapper from, uh, well, he traps around the area that Walter Arnold used to trap. If you guys are familiar with that book that I put together on Walter Arnold, and it's kind of, kind of I guess you could call it northern, western Maine, sort of. And he asked me, uh, this fall if I had any experience or if I've had any success trapping Martin down in low elevation areas with really good timber and I started to think about it and I realized that I haven't caught very many Martin below a thousand feet elevation uh, here uh, 
So like where I live, I'm at 650 to 700 feet elevation. Uh, but most of where I trap, Martin Trap, is about 1,200 to 1,500 feet. Uh, so certain guys, some guys are going to laugh at that and say, "Oh, you're down, you're you know, you're a flatlander." Um, some guys are going to say, "Wow, that's way up in the mountains." But um, I think the reason elevation plays a factor is uh, it's the depth of snow. If you have really deep snow, Martin can do well. They can they can float on top of that snow, whereas Fisher sink. Uh, they have a higher body weight per surface area of their feet. And so fisher don't do well in deep snow. That's why in in like uh, areas that get a lot of snow, a lot of times you see fisher go to the cedar swamps, and they always go in those cedar runs where uh, the, a lot of snow doesn't reach the ground. It's nice and sheltered, and the snow is a lot shallower. So where fisher are limited by snow depth, uh, martin can survive better. The other thing uh, that that elevation plays a role in is uh, the presence or absence of snow crust and I've learned this by reading a lot of stuff from the Alaska guys Alaskan and Canadian guys that trap in more northern areas and uh, there's a lot of people who have observed this that and I've noticed this some too that I don't notice it too much most years because our season ends the 31st of December and most years we're not trapping that late anyway. And uh, we usually don't have two to three feet of snow. But, but in years when we do, I, I notice this pretty, uh, pretty regularly, is that when you get a huge snowfall like that, and it, it's uh, just a deep, soft snow, the Martin goes subnivian. They go under the snow. And you could go 50 to 100 miles and not see a Martin track. And you know they're there because you see all the tracks in the fall before that. And and so it, they a large part of Martin's hunting in the wintertime is underneath the, that snow. And they're, they're going through that subnivian area and they're hunting out voles. Well, when you have a thick crust that forms, they're not able to get in and out of that subnivian uh, habitat. And so it, it really affects their foraging ability. Um, also... I've heard from some trappers, some like really good trappers, trappers that put up hundreds of, of Martin a year, that uh, the those freeze-thaw events can affect vole populations significantly. And so uh, the food source is, is really affected. Okay, uh, so that's what I'm looking for. Uh, back to that question from... Uh, uh, from Pharaoh. So, and how far apart am I spacing the sets really depends on the habitat. If I'm in really good habitat, uh, they may be a quarter mile apart to a half a mile apart. But a lot of times, uh, I, I used to try to space them regularly. Like you can almost go by an odometer and say, oh, Jeremiah's next set should be around here. And uh, just it's just my personality. I like to be thorough. And I realized I was setting a lot of poor habitat for that reason. So in more recent years, I've begun skipping areas that I know aren't good. So sometimes I'll drive 5 to 10 miles uh, without setting a single trap. And, and then I'll get back into a good area and I might set uh, 4 or 5 traps in a 2-mile stretch of road. So that's kind of generally what I'm doing. Um, so Anthony, uh, Connie Pan, yes, we'll talk Connie Pan a little bit. Fish and Fool, Josh, yeah, I'm here. Uh, yeah, Josh, I'm technologically challenged as well. Uh, Scott Swift, I'm about the outdoors, do a little trapping, mostly fishing. Great to have you here, Scott. Pat, 
Did you use Onyx's deciduous versus coniferous layers too, tool? How would you use that to help find fish or ground? Great question, Pat. So for guys that don't know, that's a, a shameless plug for Onyx, which sponsors my podcast. Uh, you can um, actually use the promo code TRAP, T-R-A-P, to get 20% off your first purchase at onxmaps.com. If you're interested in that, it's a tool that I've started using the last couple of years, and Pat uses a lot. He's gotten really good at it. He's taught me some stuff about it. And it, basically, it's it's what I was showing you on that video for the folks that tuned into that uh, first Martin Trapping video uh, where I pulled up my screen and I had those waypoints on the phone that was using the Onyx app. So the deciduous coniferous layer, the, the tree species composition layer, they just came out with that like two weeks ago. So uh, it's brand new. They're using aerial imagery to uh, determine tree type. And uh, they actually have maturity too. I haven't looked into it, but they've been adding a bunch of stuff to it. So um, the, the this basically the the layer pat's talking about i've been playing with it a little bit and it it'll it has different color for coniferous dominated stands versus deciduous dominated stands and for folks who don't know what those terms are it's like hardwood versus softwood coniferous is like spruce and fir so like alaska would have a lot of coniferous um, deciduous would be your your more you trees that drop their leaves in the fall so uh, your your birch, beech, maple, um, aspen, things like that, willow. So so uh, those would be deciduous trees, and that's very interesting, Pat, because I I looked at it and it's pretty grainy, so I'll, it's not perfect. Um, it, it's just as you might imagine, we have such mixes of stands here in northern Maine that it, it's really difficult. So so you'll see a bunch of uh, splotches of of different colors. But you have uh, blocks. If you zoom out and you look at a large area, you can see big blocks. And what I did is I wasn't confident enough that I'd be able to use that layer and pull into one of those things and say, oh, yeah, that's like where I should set my trap. Because I don't, um, there's so many other factors. Like if, if I think coniferous stand is going to be good, um, I, I could pull that up and say, oh, yeah, that's coniferous. I'm going to go into that. And I go out in there and it's a 15-year-old spruce white spruce plantation which a lot of this ground is uh, around me and that that has no habitat it has very little cover and it has no complexity underneath it because it was clear cut and all of the old logs and rotting logs and down stuff that was all demolished in order to make room to plant trees and so you look in those plantations and there's just nothing for an animal i've set traps and a lot of them i never caught a thing i might have caught a weasel once so uh I haven't found it effective in that manner. However, what I did is I took that layer and I I zoomed way out and I looked I pulled up the Onyx waypoints from all of my trap lines for the last four years. And all those right on the map. And then I looked at the areas that I knew I had had really good success. And I looked at that those waypoints overlaid onto those uh, tree species la layer and there were some really interesting things there what I found was kind of what I probably would have told you on the ground to begin with is that the the majority of my success has come on the edges of the coniferous and deciduous uh, blocks in, in that layer and it makes sense because I have the most success in mixed wood 
uh, mature mixed wood forest. That seems to be uh, the type of habitat that holds the most marten here. So, so yeah, Pat, I've used it kind of, I guess. Bob Stewart, when I was younger, I trapped. Uh, now I watch young guys. Yeah, I'm getting old. If you haven't paid attention, I'm getting pretty old because I can't seem to figure out how to find the, the uh, chat box uh, occasionally. Um, 70, been trying some different types of sets. Had to go back to my 40s and 50s fur fishing game in American Outdoors and Magazine for some old school info. Well, Mike, a lot of those are illegal now. I've, I've, I wanted to try some of those old school sets, but geez, they, I mean, everything seems to be illegal here. Oh, Pharaoh Mountain message retracted. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Hey, thanks, guys, for the happy birthday wishes. Um, Mountain Mariner, loud and clear. Scott, we're, we're not cold. Keynet, there he is. <laughs> Keynet, tell us how uh, – am, am I the only one that's been having some slow Martin trapping this year? Jeff McLean got a beaver today, weighed 63 pounds, another went 52. So – that's a funny thing about me with beaver trapping. I cannot get those 60 pounders. Uh, I started weighing like the big ones I catch and, uh, me and my, my five-year-old went out and we got a big one the other day and I was kind of excited cause I was, I was thinking that was going to break 50 pounds and, and, uh, and he weighs about 50 pounds. So we were going to see if it weighed more than him. And, uh, we put it on the scale and it was like 46 pounds, something like that. So, uh, yeah, they, I don't know. A lot of you guys talk about getting those 50, 60 pound plus beavers, and I just can't seem to get them here. Um, Scott in Texas, fishing full Thailand, huh? Okay. Mountain Mariner, I've seen a wolverine chasing a marten, had one of my snowshoe hair heads. Guessing the marten gave up the bunny head sooner or later. Ugh. Tom, Jeremiah, have you read any of the literature out of Canada about making Martin? Yes, Martin Den boxes, since you're talking about nooks, crannies, and fisher predation. Yes. Um, I actually, when I, I did more on trappingtoday.com, which is my website, I did a, a blog post on that a long time ago about Martin boxes uh, for the trap line. There was a website there. I don't know if it was fur harvesters or it was a similar type of website out of Canada that has design for these boxes and pictures and apparently they've had a lot of success in places where they've had timber harvest issues and uh they've they have lack of denning habitat and they're they're putting up these boxes uh, artificial martin dens and they make them so the holes are pretty small so that a male martin can't get in because believe it or not male martin will actually kill the young uh, if they can get access to them. So the females find really small nooks, uh, really small openings to go in and, and have their young. Um, Connie Pants 3. All right, yeah, we're going to probably talk about that. Hey, Trapper Tails and Trails and Tails. What's up? Trappers, Tails and Trails. Trappers, Trails and Tails. Thanks, Land Cruiser, for the birthday wishes. Uh, quotas here for Martin up to 30 now. Does that mean you're, you have to trap 30 or does that mean you can only trap 30 uh key net martin less than one per day but close fisher about two per week yeah and and uh, he is running a lot of sets a lot um anthony is in oregon fishing fool i think we would have problems in alaska because of outdated imagery um maybe yeah i don't know there's some pretty good imagery i've been looking around at josh i don't know if it's high quality it it might be out 
dated and I know you guys have a lot of fire issues that that can cause a lot of changes but um, I'll have to pull I don't have it on me but I've been looking at uh, uh, I've been doing a lot I've been looking at a lot of Alaska recently I probably know the Alaska map more than half the people that live there unfortunately um, Tom yeah I believe it seen on fur harvesters okay good John, been playing with Onyx this past week. I like it. Going to subscribe using your code. Thank you, John. I get like $4 if you do that, so I appreciate it. Thanks for the info on it. Last live stream. All right. Uh, I'm going to pull. Actually, I'm pull, I just pulled up Onyx, and I'm going to go to Alaska. I, well, I don't. I have to pull go into Josh's house and see um, See how what's in the driveway to see how updated the imagery is. I don't think I have that on here. But I think if you pulled up Google Earth, no, I don't have your house on Waypoint. Okay, I think if I if you pull up Google Earth though, and you you zoom into that, I'm not gonna do it right now. But um, I think that you'll you'll be able to see the imagery date, and it, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 2019 or 2020. Um, Okay, Gold Country, very little success with the nesting boxes here, but anything's better than nothing. Okay, that's good to hear. Um, the guy that had the article, that did the article, he had actually had pictures of like Martin in there using the boxes. Um, the big question that I had about that was, is the denning habitat the limiting factor? And so uh, I work in the scientific world as a profession, and I think a lot of times we have the, uh, the hammer nail uh, problem where we come up with a tool we come we come walking around with a hammer and everything looks like a nail and so we decide that is the one solution and we try to use it everywhere because it's what we know and it's worked in other places so uh, yeah you gotta you gotta make sure that the actual problem is a limited denning habitat in order to um, uh, to to ensure that those boxes are actually gonna gonna help you hey um, I forgot to ask you guys someone did it before for me that hit that uh, thumbs up if you don't mind I think that helps p other people find the live stream um, I'm told that I'm old now me and Josh are old and and don't understand technology so um, somebody tells me <laughs> Keenet says is, is 120 a lot <laughs> oh jeez I knew you I thought you had like 80 or 90 you got 120 sets out and a Martin um, a Martin or two what do you say a Martin a day a Fisher two Fisher a week something like that so so I don't feel bad see um for I hate to say, I hate to repeat myself because I've said it a thousand times, but the odd years are odd in Maine uh, for Martin trapping because the even years we have a low uh, our mast, our beech nuts, our crops, our our apples, berries, everything goes on a two-year cycle. Uh, beech nuts are the primary driver of it, but uh, every other year you have lots and lots of mast seeds, everything in the woods. Um, it's an adaptation of the tree uh, on the part of the, the trees in order to some sort of a survival mechanism. But um, what that means is every other year, there's tons and tons of food in the woods and Martin do not come to our traps. Now, guys in other parts north of, north of us don't have this problem. Uh, they seem, they don't have the, the reason we have it is because we have more deciduous trees here. And so uh, they dominate a large part of the habitat and the food availability. So, uh, for us, every even year is really good. Like I said, last year, uh, 25 Martin in 14 days. Bang, 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 bang. I was done. And uh, and then this year, 
you know, it's it's probably been, it hasn't been 14 days for me, but uh, I got three Martin on my first check. I got one Martin on my first check, <clears throat> two Martin on my second check. Hey, thanks. I see the thumbs ups going up. Appreciate that, guys. And so uh, it, it it really is. And, and I've asked people, I can't get a straight answer. I don't know if the catch, is, catch rate is half. I don't know if it's a third. I don't know if it's a quarter. Right now, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a quarter. But um, as the weather cools down, we'll know a little more um, and and try to get that a little more figured out. So um, thanks, to, uh, Tom, for the 10-4 t- uh, thumbs up. Trappers, Trails and Tales says, quotas are set by our Ministry of Natural Resources can't exceed the limits. Okay, because I know uh, some of you guys in Canada have like beaver quotas where you're required to uh, set a certain number of or kill, catch a certain number of beaver to maintain your trap line. Um, but that's that's interesting. You have a maximum. Um, <clears throat> one guy, so parts, so I know some parts of Canada, there's essentially they're so isolated, there's no human impact. But other parts of Canada, I know like Jim Gibb, uh, he's got a, a YouTube channel, Gibbs Adventures. And uh, I've met Jim, talked to him before, a good guy. Um, he, he, he has a trap line in Ontario where there's a lot of timber harvesting going on. And he noticed that I think his Martin catch dropped to almost nothing after a lot of the timber harvest took place on his trap line. So, so some of you guys are affected by that and maybe, maybe the quotas are a reflection of that. Um, Mountain Mariner off grid says on X is pretty accurate in his area. Imagery is about three years old and you're in Alaska. So that's good. Fish and fool. It's about the same where I'm at, but maybe not where there's a lot of logging. No, I don't know what the, uh, was that about aerial photos or I can't remember what the context was when you wrote that. Okay. Uh, all right, guys talking to each other. I love that. That's awesome. Um, gold country heading to the line on Saturday. Hopefully a good check. Pharaoh Mountain, any tips on trapping Martin near central Maine, Studmill Road? Well, you're not going to find a lot of Martin there. Um, I'd say try to get high, try to get high elevation, try to get in some big wood. Um, I would suspect that you're going to be able to find fisher. The, the issue with fisher with the boxes is getting them to go into your box, even though they're probably there. Um, but yeah, I, I know like Derek down east and uh, uh, Tom, you know, that's they're in some good big woods country, but they're pretty low elevation. They're pretty uh, mild climate compared to where I'm at. You know, I'm like three four hours north of there and uh it it's uh, it's a different it's a different type of habitat there just aren't a lot of martin there so uh, i i hate to break that to you but um cover a lot of ground look for sign if you get snow and uh, try your best but i would not have huge expectations Oh my God, that's a good gold country. Loggers owe me fifty thousand dollars at least, according to my fur losses. <laughs> I I'm sorry, I feel bad for that. Um, but it it is uh, boy, it it's yeah, it's crazy. Um, I don't know where you're at, gold country, and you don't have to tell me. But um, I remember the first Martin trapping video I watched was called Martin Trapping for Maximum Dollars, and uh, the guys, I believe they were in like Prince of Wales Island. It was a big logging area and they were just hammering the Martin. Like 
the kid and fur prices were good. The, the kid was making like a thousand bucks a week Martin trapping. And I've asked people since then about Martin in that area. And it sounds like it was so heavily logged that, uh, you can't catch near the Martin, um, that, that they did before. So that, so that really, that disappeared. So, um, probably you're seeing the same thing. Bill C., I took three fisher with nine sets and four nights. I'd say you did damn good, Bill C. That's awesome. Um, I I did that too last year, but <laughs> I, I did uh, I did real well with fisher just close next to the house with three with three uh, traps in in a couple weeks. I think I got three, um, but but boy, it's uh, on a, on a large scale. It's been pretty hard. Derek, I noticed that spot that I usually can pull a martin from every year had some logging near me nearby one year and I didn't get one the next year I got Martin again after they stopped logging so there could you know there could be something associated with all the activity I don't know I've tried trapping Martin in areas where uh, there was really good looking habitat but there's near a major traveled road and that never seems to work for me I don't know if it's all the nose noise from the trucks on the road or whatever um, but but yeah uh, I Fisher don't probably aren't don't seem to be bothered by it because i was in an active logging operation last year uh driving through setting some beaver traps and uh one morning i was i was i went and checked traps and and uh, uh fisher crossed the road right in front of me right in the middle of a cut so it didn't seem to bother it but uh, martin and logging don't don't seem to go hand in hand uh you now you can always catch one um i've been in areas that have been just completely ravaged and they're massive huge hundred acre clear cuts and the whole landscape is just devastated but there's one drainage and that is a travel way and a funnel for martin and it seems to me that uh they i haven't i haven't really gotten into the whole like trying to age my martin and all that but it seems to me like when the juveniles start dispersing those travel corridors even when it's been hit hard you can pick up dispersing martin but if you're not in like a core Martin area, it uh, you, you doesn't seem that you can catch actually catch the numbers. And as the core areas that they're coming from get uh, reduced and reduced and reduced, even then those travelways have even fewer Martin uh, going through them. So uh, yeah, it's what I really learned last year. The big eye opener for me was I was looking at habitat and I was looking at the wrong scale. Um, I needed to zoom way out and look at a broad scale landscape level habitat assessment. And when I got that far out, I started looking and I realized, wow, when I was on the ground, that looked really good. I didn't realize the whole, you know, 25, 30 square miles around that has very little Martin habitat. It's all fragmented. And so uh, when you zoom out and you see that, it, it's like ding, ding, you know, eye opener. Um, hey, Jamie, what's up from snowy Manitoba? Right on. Manitoba is pretty cool. Seems like a pretty cool area. Um, Gold Country, Northern Ontario. Okay, former head trapper of my line. Used to catch 60 Martin a year. Now I'm lucky to catch 10. It will be until my grandkids trap 60 if the loggers leave me alone. Yeah, but they'll be back. If there's value, if there's valuable trees, they know they're there. Um <laughs> Gold Country, are you catching Fisher? Do you catch Fisher there? Or are you too far north for Fisher? Josh, yeah, that was about day of the imagery. A lot could change in three years. Um, beetle kill too. Yep, yep. Fires, yeah. I, that, I, I had a friend that traps in Alaska said I, I heard him say one time that uh, 
guys guys were talking about managing their trap lines and uh, i manage this martin line i manage that martin line and and uh, i only harvest so many animals i try to be careful about not over harvesting so i have martin to go back to and this guy says yeah you could do all that and then a fire comes through and burns your whole trap line so <laughs> uh between a sawmill and a plywood mill so reasonable logging practices go out the window because of profits well yeah you know, it depends who owns the land uh landowners make a big difference and their objectives and stuff uh, um hey set uh mike cook up some venison steaks talk to you um i don't know when i'm gonna find time to to uh, call you but i gotta do that it's on my list john onyx helped me this week by showing me the landowner of a property i was asked to trap the beaver out of they kind of sort of implied it was part of public land that's attached to <laughs> exactly people will tell you all kinds of things it's good to have the actual information showed that it was owned by a development company avoided what could have been an issue uh, gold used to hunt moose up there every year cool all right i guess i better uh, before i end the live stream i better talk about pants connie pans or triggers or whatever huh um i don't have uh do any of you guys use Connie pants? You like them? I was trying to get a 110 with a Connie pen, but I realized they're all out in the woods right now. Uh, I might have one or two, but I didn't have time to, to dig them out. So, I have 160s. I got, I got lots of them around. <laughs> Gold country. I won't repeat that, but I hear you. I hear you. It depends on the government. Up here, we're 95% privately owned, and and uh, I would say it's probably about the same. It doesn't doesn't matter whether the government owns it or, actually, our government our our government ownership does not harvest that heavily. It's actually some some of the really good habitat, but that's all I'm gonna say on that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't know why I'm even compressing the springs on this. I guess I'm I want to be able to have this trap to where I can play with it. So. Um, I, Connie pans for guys that don't know. So you have your standard trap, uh, trigger configuration. And I think we've all, I don't know, when I started trapping, this was kind of the way it was where this is just a 110 and you've got, where's the kid that was on here that wanted to talk about Connie pans? You still here, man? I can't remember, uh, your name. Uh, and so, yeah, you have that standard V trigger that all the conibear traps, body grip traps come with. Um, a lot of people like different uh, configurations. So uh, this was kind of like when I started Martin Trap and that was my deal. I thought, well, if you spread that out into a V, you kind of have all the surface area within this opening uh, pretty evenly covered. So an animal can't kind of sneak around or a, a reasonable sized animal can't sneak around uh, around it without firing the, the trigger and getting caught. Um, <laughs> I wanna... Yeah, yeah, I hear you, Gold Country. I know people that have sold, uh, sold their camps uh, for that reason. Okay, so uh, th that's kind of your standard trigger configuration. That's what... Uh, most people seem to do now um, you can adjust this a number of ways uh, and I think the the biggest thing for you know w the disadvantage of, of this trigger is first of all 
an animal has to push its face or head through or body through uh, this and knock it over. And it seems like a bit of an obstacle. Now, maybe if the animal's hungry, the animal, like a wild marten, they're just running, running right through the trap to get to the bait. I've caught them so many times where their mouth is on the bait. They're clamped down on it. They're, you know, they're, they seem to have it halfway down their throat by the time the trap is fired. Uh, so that, that probably doesn't matter, but that may cause some animals to hesitate. Um, and so in some cases, you might decide that you want to set this um, off to the side a little bit. Maybe you want to set it. Um, I've done this. You can set the trigger on the bottom side. And forgive me for not being uh, prepared on this because I, I didn't think about this beforehand. But I do that a lot for like muskrat trapping, especially when I have a trap that's kind of partially in the water. So all you have is that little bit of a trigger sticking up and this one is just underneath the water and so they're swimming through and they don't even see that and they trip that with their with their feet or the lower or their their breast um, they think oh that's just that there there's no problem there I'm just gonna go through this space okay so that's pretty easy um, you could try to use that for Martin sometimes when I'm Martin trapping like in those boxes sometimes I'll set the trigger like this uh, the standard V but I'll have it on on the bottom uh, a couple of reasons for that. Uh, it, uh, it, it seems like it, it is a little less uh, cumbersome for an animal to just be able to jump to go over into that opening rather than to have to kind of duck under if they want to get around the trigger. Um, so, so I don't know. Those are all kind of, those are ideas for you. This is one of Russ Carmen's traps that I picked up at a convention and he made these circle triggers this is one of his mink traps so the there you know somebody asked me about the rbg traps um are your numbers better centered to the side and and so this is the rbg concept is based off the idea that uh, an animal is more used to going through circular things if the circle shape is more natural for them than a you know a straight a v or a square or whatever and, and so that's just kind of a mental thing. Oh, that's a circle. I go through them all day long. Boom. No problem. Um, is it true? I don't know. But anyway, let's say you want to do something a little different than that. Um, one of the things that uh, an old-time fisher trapper from New York, New York State taught me is, uh, is this trigger configuration. Now, take the trigger it's a standard straight up and down from from the spot where it's uh, it's mounted on the jaw you see that's vertical I want to take that remember which way I, I'm gonna do this yep okay and I'm gonna bend that down I'm going to set my trap. Now I'm going to try to do this so that you have a little, a pretty good view. Oh, that's too much. I bent that too much. And so th what this is going to be, it's your, it's your standard V trigger. Let's see if you can see that. Okay, you see how that is bent in and, and that those ends of that trigger wire is going to be pointed toward the bait. 
And so when an animal is looking at this, there is a lot of opening right here. You guys are going to get a laugh if I hit this with my finger and, and catch myself. Uh, I've never been caught, believe it or not. Um, so, so that's a wide area, right? And so an animal is probably more willing to, to go in uh, to that. Now, what this old-time fisher trapper from New York said, he did this with 160s a lot some, and sometimes with 220s, is the fisher or Martin will go in and start grabbing the bait here and he trips that wire with his back because you notice um, if you've seen them move around and, and run around and hunt and whatever, um, when they stop and grab something, their back arches up. Their back is always kind of arching up. And when he goes to grab that meat, he's going to arch his back up and he's going to trip that trigger and fire the trap. And so that's a good way. To, it, it, it seems to make for a really good catch. And it's also uh, a good way to have kind of an open a really open style trap. So that's kind of one thing I do with triggers. I also do it on, on the bottom sometimes. I've been trying that out. I don't know uh, it, I don't know if it makes any difference, but um, it just seems more open. The, it seems like the animal might be a little more likely to, uh, to enter the trap and go to the bait. Um, again, this is like, uh, remember the whole 90-10 rule? This is like we're dealing with like 90% of it is putting the, the trap where the animals are. And we're, we're messing with the other 10%. So this trigger configuration might be like 10% of 10% of your effectiveness, if that. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go through this. Uh, and, then, and then I'm going to uh, go through some of the things you guys have on the chat there. So, because Tom, I noticed you, your question. I do kind of remember that. So... Um, this is the Connie pen. So basically it's that trigger, that last trigger configuration that I showed you, uh, bent down forward with a pan on it. And so that pan is just attached to the um, trigger wires that are bent over. And what that makes is uh, basically just like a, a stepping spot for that animal going through the trap. And then you have a huge opening right here for, for that animal to go through. Um, how do I angle them? Well, you're looking at it pretty much. Um, I, what I do is on my 120s, I have the angle where it's, it's almost flat. Um, that, that trap, that pan is going to be almost horizontal. Um, the reason for that is, it, it, and who knows, it might not be a perfect reason or anything, but it's just kind of thoughts in my head and I try things and some work and some don't but um, when, when I catch uh, you catch a Martin it's it's a really good open area they come in they step on the pan um, there it, this depends on your box and depends on how far your box is from your bait and all that stuff but for mine it tends to be uh, the Martin's mouth is on the bait and his front feet are on that pan and it gets it's a nice suitcase catch um, works great with a fisher uh, that's all out the window because the fisher is so big that it fills up that entire opening of the 120 and that's the majority of my boxes I, I know that's a 160 but most of mine are 120s and uh, that fisher needs every bit of opening in that trap to get its head through and if your pan is is angled up like that 
the Fisher's the Fisher's gonna kind of push that with his with his face. So I don't know what I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway, I I I have those 120s where the pan is almost horizontal because um, I want that I want to have the maximum amount of area within that uh, within the trap jaws in order for that animal to 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 get caught. Uh, and the fisher, that's going to be a net catch. That's going to be like right behind the ears, where where he's going to be get whacked um, when it when it trips that pan. It trips it with like, I think it trips it with its its throat or its chin or whatever. Um, now, when I'm doing a larger trap like this, or if I'm in an area like I'm just just Martin trapping, um, and it's not as big a deal, I'm doing a little slight uh, upturned angle. Um, the reason that I do this, you guys can correct me if you disagree. Um, Bob's, I see wooden pans. Um, that's a, yep. Those, those seem like they're probably okay. I don't know if there's, I don't know if I think there's any difference, but, um, I fear that with a horizontal pan within this, this larger trap that a Martin can jump right over that pan. And there's such a wide opening here. They just jump right over and get to the bait. And you'd be surprised at how many times your bait gets stolen in small spaces like this. They're just really, really good at it uh, without firing the trap. And so um, I, I angle it up a little bit just to kind of close that distance. And it seems like it makes it a little more of a step. And they're more likely to actually utilize it as a step. Um, so, yeah, it seems to work. seems to work pretty decent. Uh, I Some people like to angle it way up. I think then you just – you're – you're turning it into a trigger with a bunch of metal in the middle. Um, it's not really a pan anymore. Now, um, one interesting observation I should mention here uh, with with these with this pan is that I catch my my 160 catch with weasels has probably quadrupled since I started using Connie pans. And I seem to almost catch them more weasels in the 160s than I do in the 120s. Uh, it could be because I'm setting the 160s in more fisher habitat, which seems to have more weasels anyway. Uh, or it could be um, the, the one of the reasons I think, what I think is going on is the weasels, um, two things happen with the weasels on the standard V trigger. Is the weasel real small and he sneaks right through and around your trigger, right? They're really good at that. And then once they get through and they get at your bait, a lot of times they'll drag your bait out of the box and the bait will trip that uh, trigger and fire the trap. And then you got a trap with a piece of meat in it and no, no animal. And so um, with, with the pan, the weasel seems to use that pan as a platform to jump off of to get to the bait because they don't seem to just like to do this. Do, do, do. No, they're going. Do, do, do. And so uh, I catch lots of weasels with Connie pins. Some people say, well, I don't want to catch weasels. Well, you know, then don't use these. But I, I really like to catch anything I can catch. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me go back to the chat here. Okay, Tom, uh, does trap wiggle bother you with the wooden boxes? Okay, so um, – you're talking about the compressing the springs down against the wooden sides of the box versus the wire. And I can see what you're saying with the wire cages because if you're pressing 
the springs down against the wire cages, the wire moves a little bit, and so it kind of wants to spring back toward the spring, so it holds them really tightly, um, and and does not allow that trap to wobble very much. But what I found is that there seems to be plenty. I mean, maybe if your trap springs are really weak, you might have issues with it. But with the wood, the the trap springs seem to have enough resistance on them that they're still able to keep that trap from wobbling um, when the springs are compressed down against the wood. Now, the big thing that I've noticed is I, you need, and I don't have a box here, but if one of my previous live streams, I went into this in pretty good detail, and you, you need to have uh, narrow spring slots where your trap is going to set. Because the wider the spring slot is, the more that trap can wobble. And it is going to wobble a certain amount. Because that animal is probably, it may not approach it just perfectly uh, the way you think it should. And if it hits that at just anything but the right angle, um, that trap is probably going to wobble a little bit. And so if, if there's a, a wide opening where the springs are and it does move a little bit, uh, that trap gets turned, and when it fires, the corners of the jaws can get caught on the inside of the box. And I've had it where my trap, I've had it actually two or three times at least, where the trap's fired off, and the, it's lodged in the side, and it's still open, and they're going in and out, taking the bait. So, so yeah, um, I would say I really, I can see how the wire cages are, are better for kind of reducing wobble, but that's definitely not... Um, that is the only advantage I see with the wire cages. They're just so terrible in so many other ways that I, I hate them and I, I avoid them at all costs. So I would say as long as you have narrow spring slots where your trap set, um, you're, you're going to be okay with the, with the wobble or wiggle. Um, so I hope that helped. Hey, Kirk. Uh, message retracted. like the pans on my bears for mink trapping in a cubby put bait close to the pan uh, so the mink wants to stand on the pan instead of jumping over it. Uh, yeah, okay. I can see that. Derek, something I found helps is to take hardware cloth and wire it to the back of the box to hold your bait so the animal has to work at it harder to get at it. Yep, yeah, there you go. Uh, takes more time to rebait. Definitely does. Um, yeah, for sure. I always wonder, like, if they can't get to it, if they can't get at it, do they ever... Do they ever give up and say, oh, I'm not going back there? Matt Sayre, I appreciate your podcast, YouTube videos. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, use chloroplast. I don't know what the heck that is. I uh, like the wooden pans. Keenet, I do a bend similar to the old Fisher Trapper, except I always set on the bottom with the trigger on the, the back jaw. Yep, important when getting a Fisher in a 120. Okay, that's a good point. Never spreads the wires more than an inch apart. Huh. Another guy likes the wood pans. My bait is wired to the top back of the box. Weasel and Martin seem to use the the trigger as a step to the bait. So you're doing kind of what kind of what I'm thinking the pans are doing um, with with that um, trigger bent inward toward the bait and on the bottom side um, of the box. No more pans for me. Don't need them in my opinion. There you go. Um, Gold Country, if all my boxes were horizontal, I'd use all wooden pans for sure, but I have a variety of sets so the chloroplast works for me. What's the chloroplast, guys? I don't know what that is. Um, minor metal. Uh, I've been changing a lot of mine to the Jim Gibb running pole style. 
Yep, we can't do those here. Those are illegal. With my trigger method, got 20 plus weasels first three weeks last year, many in 160s. Wire the bait to the box. Yep, that's that's a good way. Jim Gibbs running poles work great. Half inch spring slots for me. Yep, I would say half inch is just about right. I, I wouldn't want to go much more than that. Trapper tails and trails. I use wooden boxes only. <clears throat> Used to use wire cubbies. Hard to find after snowfall. Spent more time looking for them. Um, trapper trails and tails. I think that uh, Martin don't seem to want to to walk on the bottom of a wire cubby. Uh, I, if you have it wired to a tree, I think it's okay. But it, it just seems it seems like it, myself and other trappers have have uh, experienced this where it seems as though they. Uh, just having those on the ground if you don't put leaves or brush or stuff underneath on the bottom of them they they just don't seem to want to go in and it makes sense right i mean if, if you're walking you get a little nervous when you're on uh, uh you know walking on an area and all of a sudden there's a bunch of holes that you can you know you're trying to step on and um kirk or trapper bob kirk i live in can't get a price on coyotes yet yeah I like the wooden boxes 10x more for sure, but was some aggravating getting the slots right. <laughs> Good, I'm glad that helped, Tom. Uh, D. Rich, I made my spring slots inch and a half, caught a mink through the slot today. The V1 inch from now on, yeah. Yeah, inch and a half is the maximum legally allowed, but I would not recommend it. Lift our wolf and coyote ban. Trapper tails and trails. Keynet, you need to stop and make a video of box design and trigger bends. Yeah, I'll do that. I'm, I'm game for that. I don't know when I'm going to find time to stop in. Tomorrow, I'm, it'll be way past dark when I when I uh, get done running the line. Um, but that I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note of that. Now you're stuck. I'm you're committed. You are committed. Chloroplast is the election sign stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, right on. I've seen people use that. I actually, I, I was uh, looking into using that on some of mine as well. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I know that stuff. Kirk, never seen markets like this. Said you guys can't trap them. Derek, I lay down moss on the bottom of my wire boxes to encourage them to walk in them. Yep. Algonquin red wolf. Ooh, glad we're not dealing with that. All right, guys. Hey. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know. There's probably other questions, uh, but I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta get ready. Go to bed, and um, I am absolutely gonna uh, be. I'm excited to see what I catch tomorrow. Gonna go run the line, and and looking forward to it. Gonna go charge up the camera batteries, and uh, hopefully try to take some videos so I can can share those in another one. But yeah, take care, guys. Uh, thanks again. And uh, thanks for all the questions. Thanks for all the advice. Thanks for uh, input and everything else and observations. That's awesome. It's great to, to uh, live chat with you guys. Um, catch you next time. And now it's time for the Cots Bros message of the week. Go to cotsbros.com, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com, and check out their pan covers, their wire screen aluminum pan covers they are machine stamped they're new and improved and if you're going to get out on the coyote fox coyote line you're going to want to have pan covers uh, there's a lot of different options for pan covers but uh, these are are pretty hard to beat they increase your kill area 
within uh, the jaws of the trap and they're heavy duty they can be reused they keep dirt from getting in under underneath the pan uh, excellent product Cotsbrose has a bunch of other good products as well so go to check them out and make sure you look for their clearances and specials and closeouts they always have something going on Cotsbrose.com, k-a-a-t-z-b-r-o-s.com and check me out trappingtodaystore.com get your trapping lure if you haven't already we're getting deep into the season and i probably won't be re uh, stocking a bunch of these lures so when they sell out they may stay sold out so get your lure while you can uh, the most popular the long distance call as well as the birch river beaver lure those are going fast so check them out and also don't forget the coffee mugs the trapping today mugs uh, excellent christmas gift for the holidays and uh, the mustella t-shirt uh, trappingtodaystore.com thank you guys and till next time keep on talking trapping keep on thinking trapping we'll catch you on the next episode